Welcome to episode 264 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alrighty guys, welcome along to episode 264 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Sensational. Sensational, are you? Yep, Why? Just happy to be here. Sun is shining, we're having cracking weather down here oh, in Christchurch. It was awesome. awesome yesterday, eh? Mm, it's all good. How hot was it yesterday? I uh, don't know, but I think it was like 16, 17. Man, if you're in a country that's getting 30 right now, you must be really jealous. <laughs> 16 degrees. <laughs> woo woo, in Christchurch. Okay, uh, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com For uh, coffee that comes from a slightly hotter place in Christchurch. Yeah. Um, extreme endurance. For uh, athletes that are hotter than Christchurch. And athletes.com for a place to hang out with those athletes that are hotter than Christchurch. Okay, John, on this week's show, we've got some news. We've got an interview. Oh, stop the oh. show. What's wrong, mate? We've got a cool Sandy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot. Okay. Oh, God. Here we go. We'll, we'll be back soon. Okay, so we'll go with this one? Yep, we'll go with this one. Okay, so we'll put a pause and you guys won't know. We're having news. We've got an interview with... Uh, oh, it's a big interview. Lauren Cordain, who's on the paleo diet. Um, we're about to catch up with Sandy, which we meant to do. And we've got a website of the week and questions and answers. Okay, we'll be back in two seconds. Actually, we'll be back in one second for you guys. Here we go. And we're back. See, they didn't even notice it, John. Didn't even notice. We probably could have done the whole restart again because it's only a minute of the show. But hey, okay. we're time efficient. We are. Okay, what's happening, John? Whoa, we made the notes big for John. We made it up to 200... Yeah. Size on, on word, and I'm going to make them back to 125. Okay, Are you happy with that? That's fine. Can you see that? Yes. You sure? Yeah, yes. Because eyes right up against the screen right now. <laughs> okay, news. So, uh, what have we got? We've got some results. I'm in Brazil, happened last weekend. Oh, excuse me, last weekend. And well, yeah, pretty fast times compared to the year before, and they were all a bit quicker than Thorsten's predictions. Um, but to a large degree, they sort of came in. As um, as you would expect, uh, I think Thorson predicted Oscar Galindez to, to take out the race, um, but he pulled out on the run, um, so I'm not quite sure what was going on there. I'm not, uh, the problem with these results today is they don't have very good splits, you know, for example, no. on Ironman.com. They did a 12-hour bike, which yeah. is a little bit disappointing. So, we were expecting better. Yeah. Eduardo Stuller, at 38 years of age, that'd be a really interesting thing to see. The, the winning age of a lot of the Ironman athletes, you know, Cameron Brown won Ironman New Zealand, Macca won Kona, um, Patrick Werner, I can't remember if he, did he win, who won Australia? No, he didn't win Australia. Sh- shortest was right up there, I remember that. So, um, yeah, interesting. What, what did Pete Jacobs do in Australia? Um, he won. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And he's a young buck. Yeah. So he just proved you wrong. Yes. The question is, who is the oldest person to win an Ironman? Uh, oh, I know you've had some some age groupers or some some, some in the early 40, days, 40-ish. maybe. Yeah. 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 No. Be interesting. Yeah. On the girl side of things, I imagine it would be higher. Yes. Someone like Karen Smyers may have popped one out in yeah. the mid forties. Yeah, popped one out. <laughs> popped one out. <laughs> anyway, Eduardo Stirler took the race out. Um, looks like the swim times were, were a bit quicker, and the overall finish times were a bit quicker than um, in the previous year. So he swam forty nine minutes swim, biked twelve hours, and, and ran zero minutes, and had a finish time of eight fifteen oh three. Gilherm Valanza Monchio was second in 8-17, so pretty close racing, only 2 minutes 20 to second, and then 
Ezekiel Morales was third in 8.21. Um, and you look down to fifth with Chris McDonald, and he was only you know 11 minutes down in fifth, so it's pretty close racing. And when you do have those close time gaps, you know, anything can happen in an Ironman run. If this was a marathon and you were two minutes down, you'd say it's yeah. game over, Rover. But um, when it's only two minutes in, there's a pressure's on, and apparently Edward Estula was... Uh, was fading a bit there, and so it was. Um, He's chasing times. him down. Yeah. And on the girl side of things, and Amy Marsh predictably took it out um, in 909.39 from Lucy Zelnikova, 9.16. Um, good old Hillary was down there in fourth in 9.35, and Fernanda Keller, consistent performer, who's done got more podiums than anybody else in, on the planet was in really? fifth place well, I don't know she's, she's got because you think Hillary must be how close many, how many, well, maybe not how many podiums but how many times she'd been in the top 10 in Kona was pretty incredible and if we look at Thorsten's predictions he was he was pretty close you know um, he had Oscar Galindez winning who pulled out he had Eduardo Stuhl second who won it um, he had Gilham in uh, sixth but he jumped up to second and the rest was pretty good he had Morales in there in fourth who ended up third um, Santiago, the guy was third, and he ended up fourth, and Chris McDonald fifth. So he got that one right. Times were expected times were eight twenty two. So it's a bit faster than he thought. Six, seven minutes faster, and the same side on the girls. He predicted nine fourteen, and they came in at nine oh nine. So must have been a reasonably quick day down there. One interesting thing that I saw about the race was uh, they had a little YouTube clip on, um, which I think they put on they put on Ironman dot com. And um, shows you Eduardo Stuller coming across the line and finishing, and um, pretty pretty unstable on his feet. And then he sort of uh, a couple of people come over to help him, and then he sort of just falls more or less flat on his face and <laughs> lying on the ground. And um, and there's a few people helping, and then all of a sudden they just disappear. And so he's just lying there in the finish shoot. You know, normally people that help him, he's just lying there on his back, and nobody's around to help him. Really, <laughs> it was crazy. <clears throat> he won it. Who needs it? Who needs it? So anyway. Um, Unfortunately, Whoa. we don't have a huge amount of details on Ironman. Challenge Ken's good field. Yes. Or small field, but... Small field. Okay, well, wait a second. So, okay, anything else about Brazil? I got a bit no. excited. So, coming up this weekend, the Ken's Airport Challenge Ken's. Ken's Airport? Mm-hmm. You've been there? Apparently, it's no. the best airport in the world. Apparently, it is. Just back in a spot, so John's doing my bit. Okay, well, the big news is, is you got Chris Mc- Christopher... Yes. ...McCormick Racing. And Cameron Brown. Wow, that's... Do too- you think Mick is going to... Go go for it. Well, who knows? Who really knows? Um, who else we got? Tim Burkle. Dark Horse in this race. Graham O'Grady. Graham O'Grady. Um, just see how, he, see how he, see how he handles, handles the run. But wouldn't he didn't, where did he do well last? He did well, well he won it. Tauranga, but then he had the drugs issue um, where he got the poppy seeds off the gluten-free bread and yep. uh, tested positive. So I think he is probably could be the dark horse there. Tim Burkle, you know, he's won um, Ironman Western Australia. Um, the other guys there, Jamie White, um, David Dallow used to be a, an ITU athlete back in my day, um, or a little bit after, just a little bit after my day. So he could be another another one to watch. But only list, only listed here as ten pro men, and then on the girls' it's side, the they got Mecca. It is, but I mean, he would have done it for commercial reasons. He, he's always been tight with Felix, and that's the reason why they would have. Um, yeah, but do they have a half there? They do. Yes, it's amazing because like. Well, it's just amazing Mecca just doesn't do the half. Because well, really, it's Mecca's presence. I think we'll, we'll go on in a moment and we'll, we'll, we'll find out why, probably another reason why he's doing the full. On the girls' side of things, again, um, your regular sort of challenge athletes here, you've got Belinda Granger and Rebecca Keat who really support the series, and then you've got a whole bunch of other good, strong Australian girls who most of us probably haven't heard too much of, but they're just good, strong athletes. Um, 
but haven't really sort of pr- proved on the on the world stage. And so for a first year race, the field, the pro field, isn't amazingly strong. Although to get Macker and Ken Brown, two two of the elite names of our sport, is, yeah. is really great. And and Kate and yep. Granger, so they've got you know a couple of really top pros here. Tell you what, they're in for some prize money, aren't they? They are. And yeah. the one thing with Challenge is they now pay out. Um, regardless, there's no, there's no percentage rule in there, so you finish um, whatever place. No so if you're interested as a pro, you're getting some money basically, you're aren't you, for the men? You're getting in 700 euro for for 10th place, and that's... Um, well, it's normally double, isn't it? Although currency is a bit different right now. Yeah, but I mean, compared to, to an Ironman race, um, you don't get uh, anywhere near that. For 10, you don't, it doesn't even it's pay 10,000 like yeah, anymore. Yeah. Um, or 20,000 euro for 20, first place. 20,000 euro for first place. That's equivalent to $28,000 US. Most Ironman races, I say Ironman New Zealand, was uh, I think 8,500 US for first place. Even at the $100,000 race, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, maybe it was 15,000 US ballpark I'm just trying to work off memory yep. there but it, it wasn't ridiculously more than that so you're almost looking at double prize money from say Texas that we looked at last week so 28,000 US for first place so I've got to say it is disappointing that we've seen this two weeks in a row now we've had Ironman Texas where they've tried to bump up the money and say hey come on we want to get more pros here and then you've got this race Challenge Cairns offering sensational money for for, for our sport um, second place is 10,000 euros so that's a lot more than what you get at most Ironman races you look down at fifth place you're getting 3,000 euros so I guess that's about what are you getting in Ironman New Zealand for the winner is it 7,500 well it used to be 8,500 New Zealand so it's in that region so, so it's a significant payday, isn't it? And that's exactly why Cameron Brown will be doing it because um, it's know, money. It's it's money. You know, if if he's looking at Ironman New Zealand, he wins that great. Um, he probably tries to do you know Ironman Germany, which he's had a bit of hit and miss, and he hasn't performed in in Kona the last few years. Um, and all no, we say that in in inverted commas. All he's got to do is beat. Um, Guys that he would consistently beat, you know, he'd, he'd have yeah. to go out there expecting to beat. Mac is a challenge, isn't it? It is, but then we've got to decide whether Mac is there for for, for it or not. But I'm, I'm sh- you know, Mac is a he, he great, he's, but he's, he, he'll be looking at this as a financial as well. Yeah, but you kind of think of Mac. Does he need the money? Like, you know, if, if you know, like you're not going to turn down twenty grand, are you? But mm. but at the end of the day, you know, if, well, Mac is just confusing us right now, isn't he? Well, he? He could go for a stroll in the park, and he should probably still get second or third yeah. out of there, um, even if he didn't really push the envelopes. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. But look, this is hats off to these guys. They're putting good a good prize purse together, and it really is disappointing to see not. Well, it's interesting to see with the with the, um, the the Texas of the world and the challenge where they are actually starting to put more money out there. First year races, so maybe it's just that they're not established. You know, once. Yeah, you know, a lot of guys, you know, your second, third tier athletes going to look at this race and go, "Shit, I should have gone there this year." Totally. You know, like you get a guy like you know the the big man Pete Verbusik, who normally yeah. will pull off, you know, like a fifth or a sixth. Or he's going to go, "Well, I can get like four grand if I get fourth. So why? And that, that's some pulling example out of the weekend. Someone like Chris McDonald, race Brazil, Brazil, got fifth, got, got fifth, will probably get a, thousand know, bucks. a couple of thousand US. Could have come here and been a pretty serious contender. Yep. Um, we maybe got third, third. for six thousand euro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and someone, it's his home race. Yeah. So I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. You're confusing us, pros. You're confusing us. Don't yes. you, you're not chasing the money, and we expect you to be greedy types. Yeah. Sort of, sort of. Out. Yeah. I suppose before we go and move on to the next bit, we so just in regards to Ironman Texas, um, being the running man, sure, sure, I isn't see sure. Um, 
was saying he got an email through from Iomantex is congratulating him on the race and inviting him to register for next year, but he noticed that the price per has dropped from 100,000k to 75. Mm. So, and, I don't think you can blame them too much for it. If the pros aren't turning up, I mean, yes, we all agree that they should be putting out more prize money, but this is so frustrating from a race director's what are you banging your head for? Oh, I've got an itchy head. I've got a hat on. Do you get right. an itchy head? Well, I don't wear a hat inside my house. Well, it's because I biked here from Joe's this morning. You could have taken it off. Oh, I just I was in a hurry. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, so, I mean, they, they put the money out there the first year. Like the guys that challenged Kenz and said, come on, go, come and give us some support here. We're putting a bit more money on. They got a good feel, but it wasn't um, super deep. And so, Although I'm saying that, them. give it a couple of years. Don't pull it out after the first year. Yeah. That's how you go on a date. You get a passion on the date. You walk away. Yeah. You know? But anyway, it is, I mean, and the, and the Kona slots, so they're saying also the Kona slots are going down to 50 from 75. And again, if they're putting on more races, you, you, you've only got a finite number of people you can have in Kona, so they've, just, they've got to reduce slots. Well, I, as much as Challenge Ken's doesn't have the, you know, the strong field that we'd hope that it gets. The you know, deep field. The deep field, yeah. It has got Mecca. <clears throat> yep. And that's great PR yep. for that race. Like, I bet you Texas would have loved to have got Mecca. Mm. You know, Mecca is the name of our sport right now, isn't it? Mm. Let's be honest. And so, you know, that's pretty cool. And what, you, you were going to say something else about Kensby, or uh, No, they've got, they have got a half on there. It looks like they've got um, a pretty decent-sized field for a first-up race. It's run by a really professional outfit, and they, they basically run all the big races in um, Australia, the US the USM events um, and they run like Malula Bar they run basically oh so the sharp heads, yeah they? they run all the big events do we, so do we know what kind of size field it is yeah it's, it's pretty reasonable I don't I can't, couldn't tell you exactly but um, when I looked through the start list it looked like they had a, a, a good good size start list plus I've got the half as well so I'm I suppose sure one thing is that for people who are in Australia who, who can't do the Australian Ironman races mm. you know this is a viable option well, isn't it looks it? like a sensational course yeah so um, and you get to go to Ken's Airport Yes, that is a bonus. Yeah, so because yeah. they challenge. And it's called the Cairns Airport Adventure no. Festival. Is it? Yeah, I think because I think they've got some other events on as well. So making a whole sort of festival type. I like um, that. I like that logo. Nice. The Noosa Winter Festival. Yes. Wow. Okay then. Um, quite a few seventy point threes on this weekend. <coughs> uh, you got Hanu, Switzerland, and um, quite a bit of seventy point three action. And there's also extreme um, man. So we've got some other iron distance races. Now this looked like a I've really a professional outfit. Um, so extreme man two two six, which is in uh, Spain, um, sort of down near Barcelona. And if you go to their website extreme hyphen man dot com um, they've got uh, now got three races they've got two halves um, and a full uh, and it just they look like they're they're doing the business they've got a really nice website when you go through it it's in all the different languages um, and they've got the race book on there it just shows you how important websites are right because you look at these guys and you go oh they must be good yeah, based on based on imagery, it, it is, and 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 that's and they've, they've got a bit of a track record at running halves, and that's I guess a concern for some people when you go to some of these non WTC or non challenge iron distance races. You're worried, am I going to get the whole experience? Am I going to get looked get looked after, and and it's not going to be a Mickey Mouse show, and I'm not going to have nutrition or something on the on the run course. These guys look like they know what they do. So if you're looking for a different location, um, these races look really good. And the other thing is, you know, people complain about how expensive. Ironman races are to enter um, like this one is 210 euros um, so extreme-man.com some, some pretty good stuff and go to cool. Spain's always good to go to oh Spain rocks the party yes okay um, you're saying there's another one another one in Germany the Wessel 
Stad Triathlon. Uh, looks like a bit of a triathlon festival. We've got all distances in Germany, so I'm sure there'll be some Uber athletes there. And again, <coughs> 200 bucks US entry fee. So if, if money is a deciding factor on whether you're going to enter races and you're, you're sick of paying um, high entry fees, then check out um, k226.com, and that's got all the non-WTC listed races. Okay, John. John's ITU update. What's happening in the ITU world, John? It's kicking back into action. We've had a bit of a downtime. Oh, and you've been missing it, haven't you? Withdrawal symptoms? Yes, because we've had the, the um, issues in Japan with the tsunami, so that, that sort of filled the gap in May because we started off in April in Sydney, and sort of May was going to be in Japan, and then now we're, we're sort of going into June, and that's when the European Seasons kicks off. So this weekend, the World Championship Series in Madrid is in action. I've been there to that race. It's a it's a good one because it's got a good hill on every lap of the the bike course. So it's a real honest race. Yeah, it still will likely come together as a bunch, but at least the 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 guys that usually sit in on the bike will get tested. Um, and the ITU coverage is just awesome on the website. So if you want to see some good, you bought the year pass, haven't you? No, I haven't, but they've got free. They've got free. I haven't actually watched online because it's live on TV in New Zealand now as well. Oh, really? On Sky. So Even this I'll weekend? Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. What time? It'll be in the middle of the night, so I might come get over. the old tea box out. <laughs> box, uh, but the, the online coverage on the internet is is awesome. So um, just go to triathlon.org and you can find a link there. Okay, uh, sponsor Coffees of Hawaii. Oh so, yeah, we haven't we haven't got any picks up there yet. So I think what we oh. need to do is we need to create a post on our Facebook. So what we talked about last week was um, if you basically do a picture with a Iron Man. No, not Iron oh, Man. Oh, you withdrew just in the nick of time, John. I am talk in it. So whether you're holding a, a print off a thing of our logo, whether you're wearing a bike jersey or promoting I am talk, you put that on our. Um, we're going to put. We're going to put that. Oh, is that what? Well, oh, no, we we, we'll we'll put a post on IamTalk.me, and if you reply to that, can they attach pictures to that? I haven't really thought this through. I don't need to. Well, I'm much. too busy reading an email. What are you saying? Oh, bloody hell! <laughs> so I was just That's saying, look, what that, good work I do. That is a shocker. Just a quick note to say hi, and you're such an inspiration. Oh. And Body Attack Release 73. So you keep talking, I'm reading this. No. I guess, what are you saying? So how are people going to post their photos on our Facebook page? Um, they could probably tag it with I Am Talk. Okay, should we? If you can figure it out, that, that's the challenge. Get your photo on our Facebook page and you go into the drawer of winning an I Am Talk jersey from Coffees of Hawaii. I think we should think this through a little bit more. Well, I haven't, and you've just chucked it at me. Wait a second, let it go here. You keep talking. No, no, you keep talking. We'll wing it. Okay, so basically the deal is Albert has um, <coughs> donated an I Am Talk bike jersey uh, to the person who has the best picture in either a cool location or something something gimmicky, and um, we're just trying to figure out how you post it on Facebook. Matt Brooks brings up a good point, which I... Uh, on Facebook. Focus on the task at well, hand, no, you, no, you, Focus you, on the it's task. It's not my fault you've made distractions for me. Oh. You know I've got a scatterbrained mind. So he's saying, where do potatoes fit in with the... Well, they don't fit in very well, apparently, according to what Lauren was saying later in the interview that we'll, 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 okay. we'll get into. And just Alison King, I'm in Brazil winner. Speedo. Speedos, he was. He is a traditional Speedo wearer, but I still think does he's it consistently. The show. So, anyway. Um, so, what are you saying? How do we get a photo? I think if you tag your photo, so you do your photo. Oh, no, what you do is you put your photo in your... Here's what you do. Okay, John, it's not that complicated. Okay. It's, it's actually quite simple. You put your photo, I am talk... As your profile As picture. your profile picture. And then, then you just go on our page and you go, here's my profile shot. So we'll ha- why don't we have a, um, a post that people can just comment on and then we'll get to see Okay, more. here we go. So what, what do you want to put on? I'll do it right now. What do you want to put on the post? Put your best I am talk put pictures. Your best I am talk pictures. Here. 
Here, all pictures. And okay. smiley face? Profile, profile pictures, maybe. Oh, so you know, I've got more words in. Profile pictures. And this is what... Um, Sorry for people who hate me typing, but I have to in this situation. Challenge did this, something like this smiley a while face? ago. Yep, smiley face. Um, challenged this a while ago in terms of um, a little promo thing, so we're, we're sort of copying what they're doing. So No, you know what? Everyone does it. It's not challenge, it's okay. initiative. Okay. <laughs> like, that's not rocket science. Okay. So, if you want an IM Talk jersey for free, courtesy of Albert and the team at Coffees of Hawaii... Yep. Put your profile shot with something indicating I am talk.me. Mm-hmm. Put it on, then put on John's little thing there, our right, little thing, and then you'll be rocket on and you're cool. I am talk. If you want your, your, your specials from Coffees of Hawaii, go to our page, I am talk.me, click on the logo, and that takes you through to all the different discount codes you can use. Very good, John. Very good. Coffees of Hawaii for the world's best coffee. Okay, discussion of the week time, John. Have you done, uh, did you read the show notes to do your peas on this one? No, I didn't. Okay, so you have, I've done no piece this week, to be honest. Thought up a, yes, I have thought of okay. one. That's all, that's all I I'm ask. Just, I'm, as much as I'm scared of brain, I'm a quick thinker too. Okay, right. Yeah. So last week, our topic of discussion was whether WTC should maybe adopt more of a two-year policy with their ranking system, similar to what, say, golf and tennis do. And the, my sort of thinking behind what this was your thinking was, behind this, John? Because it confused for, for, me. For the guys that get injured, then you know, someone like Craig Alexander, he could still be ranked quite highly, um, even though he hasn't been able to race this season because he's injured. So he's still got a legitimate chance of being in Kona this year and being a winner. Yes. So um, let's. That's make- it, but no, this is a very interesting discussion because if That's you look, why I thought it up, Bevan. Well, no, no, not so much the two-year thing, more the injury thing. So. And let's say Alexander hasn't qualified for Kona, hasn't got enough points yet. Mm-hmm. Gets injured now, mm-hmm. doesn't get enough points for the rest of the season. Well, that's he's still injured or, or, or sick, from from my understanding. So, so yeah. does that mean he's screwed for Kona? Well, under the current situation, they have a wild card system, which may be his saviour. Oh, so they do have a wild card. But that's so pretty controversial you know if you do that to him what about somebody who's say finished 15th last year might be a great athlete might be the next Chrissy Wellington yeah um, do you give them one where does the, the where do you draw the line it's, it's a tough one isn't it mm. yes okay John so I'm going to start with David Manley cause, just because it's a great name Manly you're so manly, manly David oh he's such a manly man WCT won't do that because the top athletes will probably pick enough up enough points in a year to be good for two Konas. Therefore, they don't need to race so many WC events and can follow the money at Challenge or other competitive events. I think that's an important point <coughs> um, because, like, say, golf and tennis, everything is sanctioned by one body, so you only play um, games. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. Every race you do is going to be... A point-scoring one. Yeah. Um, whereas this is quite a different scenario. It's really a qualifying system, so it isn't it? Good point. Yeah. Um, can you just move the page over so I can see Yes, I can. There you, you go. Much. Is that big enough font for you? That's, that's sure. Okay, yep. Um, okay. Andrew Pearson. Fairly sure that golf and tennis use multiple year performances to complete their rankings while weighting the current year results more heavily. Um, Ironman could do this and make it work well. Um, a bit of a strategy into qualifying that could be fun to see how it plays out. Mm, nice. Well, Maddie Eves, he actually likes David Point. He goes, fair point, David. Mm, fair mm, point. Fair point. But I bet Maddie's a pom. Why is that? Is that what Pom say? Yeah, fair point, yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Governor, Governor, yeah, yeah. yeah Governor. Um, but they could solve that issue by reducing the points available at each race. I think a two-year window is a great idea. Nice. Here you go, John. James Hotel, sorry, I'm with the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately crowd and don't think the two-year look-back is right. Olympic qualifying is often done on a single race, whether for triathlon or not, and don't see the value and reason for change. Someone who had one good breakthrough a year and reverts um, to normal the next year gets a slot. I see that being the discussion of the week, if it were to ever happen. I think the thing there, yes, Olympic qualifying does often come down to one race, but you've got to get yourself in a position to do that race. So for triathlon, um, you know, you've got to do all the qualifying races. You've got to build up your points so you actually get a start in that race, and that's would apply in a lot of other sports as well. So I think for one-off... Yeah, like with golf, you've got to go through the, the, the PGA Tour, mm. and then they have the um, American Tour, whatever it is. Nationwide. Yeah, no, you know your stuff, mate. Yeah, yeah. Talk about movies, you know nothing. Yeah. Talk about sport. golf. Oh, sport. Okay, Rob Bing... I'm just picking names today. You've got some great names out there. Two years would be good for the injury reasons and to allow them to experience other events and thus income streams. But I also think that standardisation of points across all WTC's uh, races would help spread out the field and competition. Jay Waters, nice idea, John, but I wonder if another Chrissy Wellington comes along, would a two-year points period make it difficult for a pro like her to qualify and come from nowhere to Kona? So I want to address that one first. Oh. Is, um, I, I think a two-year thing might work quite well, but it's hard to know when we haven't even play, played out this first year yet, so we don't quite know how it's going to work out. But I think, it, as somebody else pointed out, it needs to be weighted in a way that if you do rock up and, you've, and, and you have a great season, but you haven't got two years of results under your, your belt, you could still qualify. So if, say, if Chrissy turned up John, this, you're, this you're year... you're complicating things. No, I'm not. So Chrissy turned up this year and she said, right, she won out, went, won Ironman Australia and then she went and won Ironman Germany that she'd have enough points to qualify based on the way it was weighted. So I think... So you have the two-year overall, but then if you can manage to get... This amount of points, which would mean you have to be pretty elite in one year. No, 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 no. The points for the current season would be weighted more heavily. So you have a two years worth of results, but your results from the previous year you know, would you know, be you know, weighted less. Onto this. Yeah, I think you could. <laughs> could be weighted a lot less, and the current season's weighted heavily. So then you've got, say, that would cover both both, both bases. So the guys that, say, like Crowey, who hasn't been able to race this year, still carry last year's points. And because he was such a good athlete, even if they were weighted lower... You should still hopefully qualify, and then you've got your up-and-comers who might come through this season, which don't have any points from last year, but if they just dominate, they should also have enough points. So I think the two-year system is the way to go. Okay, with Stuart Moore, couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. <laughs> why, why do you post if you couldn't care yeah, less? He's just saying it's crap. Okay, John, so your thoughts? Just gave them to you. Oh, I wasn't listening. <laughs> the two years is the way to go. I was reading my email. But... I think, uh, Why do you think it's the way to go? Because it just said because it gives everybody a, a, a fair chance and it allows for the for the guys that um, have an injury or blow themselves up to to still qualify. I think it's a fairer way to make sure that the best guys turn up in Kona. Do you think this year the best guys aren't going to be in Kona? The majority of them will be, but I, I'm quite excited to see how it pans out. I think what they've done is a good is kind of yeah, like it is interesting. It is the first year. I suppose the question I ask is. Has this system improved Ironman racing? Um, in terms of race, yeah, I think I think you'll get. You know what I mean? Like it's like, uh, you know, like if we look back to last year, well, what's really changed in racing other than the fact there's some points behind it now? I think I, I would. I think you're going to see stronger fields turning up to those 
bigger point scoring races. I think you're seeing you're seeing a lot more athletes doing the seventy point three series. So I think probably that's maybe 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 it hasn't changed Ironmans much. But I, if anything, sure. we could argue that it's made it worse. Because if you look at Australia, look at that field there. Yes. Now, if they had last year's field compared to this year's field, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly, but I imagine it was stronger. Yeah. And so. Like ideally, a system should be improving the sport. But I think that's the whole thing. They're trying to have tiers of races, so that Australia is going to end up being a development race because of the way they've structured it. Because it's. But then we're saying, well, Ironman Texas didn't pull on a very good field. But it was still it was better than what you get at an average Ironman last year. Outside of Germany, I'd say that's one of the strongest Ironman fields you would have seen. So I think it's. It's good. I think the issue is you're going to have one of people. People are going to go off and do different races, and they're just going to try to get enough points, and then they'll go off. And I think the, the, the point you bring up about you know other sports are all controlled by the governing body, so they don't have competition as such. Mm. You know, like in, in golf, you don't then go. Well, so I'm sure there are other golf, no, but it's one of the governing body, isn't it? Well, they've got two. They've got the European and the and the European. But I think your points. The European and the European. The European and the American. <laughs> but the point scoring, you know, they're all you get points from all of them yeah. in terms of your world ranking. I think Thorsten, we've got a job for you because I think <laughs> it's more work for you. You're mate. collecting all the data, but I suppose you're only doing Ironman races. Um, uh, he would probably be able to, with his scientific stuff, would probably be able to give a pretty good ranking system based on times and weighting different races and stuff. That's what he does, isn't it? He's he's giving us predictions for each race, but he hasn't got a, a world ranking. Who uh. is the best? You know, statistically the best athlete on weightings of races strength of field and what so on so Thorson there you go give us a, a yeah, current, current world, you, world, give you. us a current top 10 world ranking based on all races okay, do I think a two year system will work um, I can see your point yeah would you like the one year or the two year I, I'm just I'm, I think we need to wait a little bit long before you think no, about no, wait, we have a decision <laughs> now which is better um, um, I think if you do yours I don't know. Just say, John, you're right. <laughs> okay, John, John, you're right. John, you're right. <laughs> okay, I've got two options here, John, and you can choose. Okay. I was out riding my bike the other day. I've started buying music. Because mm-hmm. what I've done is I've set up some rules around my content consumption. So when I'm training, I now listen to music. Okay. When I'm at home, I listen to podcasts. And when I'm riding my bike for transport, I listen to audiobooks. Right. So, and, so, and I don't steal music anymore. Not that I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> but you heard of other people stealing I've music. I've heard it happens on the internet, John, and I disapprove of that behaviour. Yeah. And I started buying some albums because I thought, well, I can support the artist. So I bought Tron. Did you watch the movie Tron? No. Oh. Let's not go there. I, I haven't watched it. Well, it's quite it's, it's quite good music to train to. Sean's songs are a little bit short, but it's quite good music to train to because it's really operatic. Right. You know, I yeah. might even put some on in the background while we're doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a second, I'm just going to put some music on. You talk about something. What music are you listening to when you train, John? I had yesterday. I had I got a feeling going, and I got the old phone out, and the kids were jumping around dancing. I got a feeling. Did you do party rockers? Party rockers in the house. You do love that I've got a feeling, haven't you? I do. It's I do. about two years old now, John. Yeah. Time to, time to I, got, I got introduced to it when we were in Kona. I hadn't really heard it much before Kona. Oh, really? When we were there, and they were pumping it all blubbing night long there. Not that you'd know, because you were in bed. Hear this? Oh, yeah. So I'm out on the bike. We're allowed to play this on the no, show. No, we're not. But, oh, okay. but they won't know that. Yes. And, and if anything, it's advertising. And anyway, so... So oh, the it's a bit slow going, no, but because what happens is it builds, John. Right. See, it's the anticipation. A bit like Eye of the Tiger. You get into the bottom of the hill, you look up, you go, "Wow, I'm in trouble now." Yeah. And then, oh, 
Oh. Sounds like Chariots of Fire. It does sound a bit Chariot of Fire-ish. Yeah, they've copied Chariots of Fire. You know, well, it picks up. Yeah. But anyway, so we could even have, what are you listening to music-wise in your training right now? This is Chariots of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, wait, I'll fast forward a little bit. Here we go. Oh, oh, John, John. I can't believe you listened to this. No, it's good. Picks up. Even more waiting. I'll go move forward. Here we go. It's on the di- oh. See, there you go. Feel that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah, you're getting a bit excited there, John. Yeah. Um, so, question is, if you were... Oh, so are you listening to music? And if you listen to music, what do you listen to is the question number one. That's the first option. Let me just go with that and say... No, no, because the other one's topical. Okay. We're going to go Lance. Gee, I bet that hasn't been done much on forums and stuff. No, it probably hasn't, John. We're probably, we're, I'm being quite original here. Yeah. If Lance does get done, hearsay, mm-hmm. my, my views. Mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah, yeah. If, if he does get done, does it matter because he's done so much for cancer? Let's go with your first one. You like my music, didn't you? Yeah. Do you want me to give it to you? I think uh, you're allowed to gift it to one person. Okay, yes. Yep, I'll give you some, some Tron. Cool. Okay, so we're going music. Yeah, not doing Lance. You don't want to do Lance? You're no, sick of Lance, aren't you? Sick of Lance. Sick of him. Yeah. Do you want to put a sponsor in first, John, or do you want to... Um, we probably do, because the interview is half an hour. We'll probably do the rest yes, of it. Yes, yes. Sponsor! Athlinks.com. So one of the things that Athlinks going to be bringing out in the next um, I'm so period. excited from that music. God, I'm just amped right now. I'm going to smash it. Athlinks. I am. Um, Athlinks. One of the things we're going to be doing is trying to create a bit more of a regional feel about it so you can keep in touch with um, athletes in your area or you can track what they're doing a bit more. So one thing we want to encourage all you people to do is um, if your club is not listed on there, get your club listed up there. We've got the Canterbury Triathlon Club listed up there and uh, so anybody in Christchurch you should be on that. Um it's free to get up free to get up there. You just basically go to clubs and then you can go add your club and it's pretty simple. And then you can basically use that to compare athletes between uh, in your club uh, and you can also just check out your local rivals. So Man <laughs> Oh man. So go to the clubs and so why is this good? Well because then Firstly, if you want to use it as a communication tool, you can do. Um, you may have other methods of doing that. You may have a database that you work off your website. But the main thing is, is when you go to, say, for example, you go to Ironman New Zealand, um, then you can have all your results from your club members at that race. Yeah. And so then you can pretty easily, I would imagine, extract them and use them in your newsletters and stuff as well. So it just means you don't have to scroll through thousands and thousands of results. Well, let's give some love to still clubs that are already on there, John. How about the Triathlon Club of San Diego? Yes. Look at that, and they've got 241 friends, so lots of people are actually getting so, involved. So click on, click on that. Okay, because they've got a cool logo too, eh? Hey? Yes. Oh, man, I want to be a member of the Triathlon Club of San Diego. And we should be able to, in here, find um, some results. So that's the thing, like, you can basically go into your club, group group results, group results. Group so results. For, for their club... Um, then you can go to the sand, or let's go to one they've got the, the, Cor- the Corando Bridge 25th annual run and so then you can see that you had 8 athletes doing that from that club yep. Bevan's not logged in so we can't look at it I'll log in um, in a second. so then you can go through and you can see the athletes from that club so same thing for the Canterbury Triathlon Club go to Ironman New Zealand go, go to their page on Athlinks if whoever's joined up click on that and you'll be able to see where they finished rather than looking through all the results 
Do you know what we need to do? What? Is that we need to go on and we need to actually do a bit more of the who's racing this weekend stuff because we got an email through from someone. Did you get that email? Well, Tim, that was a few weeks ago. I no, I think we got right. another one. Okay. You from someone seen, saying... You haven't seen that one through to me. Maybe I didn't. Just saying, hey, uh, yeah, we heard you guys talk about us on the show. Nice. Loving it. Nice. And it, they weren't even a listener. That was the thing. Okay. A friend mentioned to them that, hey... Yeah, and I was like, yeah. We'll do that with the next um, big... Ironman race? Ironman race. Okay. Which will be... Where are we now? We're in May. Brazil was last weekend. I'd say we're coming up. We'll be like probably Court Lane or something like that. will probably be the next one. Okay. Look out. You might get... In. So if you're not on there and you want to get your name on the show, just um So you're going to be doing Court Lane. Athletes.com, check it out, get your clubs on. Okay, John, we've got a pretty important interview coming up. The Paleo Diet's getting a lot of... Uh, it's interesting, actually, because any time we get new information about any kind of area, there's always going to be your backers and the people who are doubting. And I read a really interesting piece on stuff.com, which is, or .nz, which is New Zealand's kind of news yep. website. And uh, there was nutritionists on there yesterday kind of dissing the Paleo Diet. But the problem was the argument was really weak. Mm. You know what I mean? And like... Like the thing is with the paleo diet, it's quite controversial, and and you know like, but if you're going to argue it, come with science, mm. you know, come with an scientific background or argument yeah. that can go towards it. And this, they just kind of said, well, oh, people in those times didn't eat this, yeah, <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, so like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure where I sit with it myself. I'm, I'm trying it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I've been doing it for a week, and I'm trying it to see what I think. Um, but at this stage, I'm not really going to say go or no, but, you know, at least kind of do your research. Yes. Yeah. So here's the interview right now. With who? Lauren Cordain. Who's Lauren Cordain? Well, I do the intro when I, when I talk to him. Did you? Yes. You sure? Yes. Okay. Here's the intro of Lauren Cordain. Here we go. Okay, on today's show, well, the last few weeks we've sort of been talking about um, some nutritional side of things. We've had Em on the show, we've had... Uh, Bob Sieberhar talking about um, metabolic efficiency, and today we've got Dr. Lauren Cordan, um, the PhD professor from the Department of Health and Exercise Science, at Colorado State University, also the author of the Paleo Diet, and also the the athletes, the, the Paleo Diet for athletes as well. So, welcome along to the show, Lauren. Hey, thanks a lot, John. It's uh, my pleasure to be here, and uh, your listeners may be interested that Bob Sieberhar was one of my graduate students. Oh, there you go. Good. Um, so, so tell I mean, for, for those guys that um, you know, maybe have just heard a little bit about the paleo diet, um, can you just give us a, a broad overview of, of what the paleo diet is? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think that when we try to devise diet, optimal diets for any mammalian species, be it our own or tigers or deer or rabbits, what we really need to do is we need to look at the ecologic niche in which they evolved. And so when we look at uh, the types of foods that are appropriate for rabbits and we contrast that to tigers, um, they're completely different. And uh, the basis for this is, you know, we go back to Darwin's theory of evolution. And so... Each one of these species occupies a slightly different ecological niche, and of course, rabbits eat, <laughs> you know, plant food, and uh, uh, tigers eat animal food. And so the same thing is true with humans: is that when we look upon the foods that we are evolved or uh, selected to eat through natural selection, we need to go back to the evolutionary model, and that's exactly what 
I have done and our research group has done over the past 20 years. So it's, it's very much based more on, obviously, you know, these days people eat a lot of processed foods, so the paleo diet is very much going back to fruit and vegetables and just anything sort of natural. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, that notion in the 21st century is not uh, a bizarre concept. Rather, it's, I think, what people are kind of keen into when we find that uh, so many uh, diet health-related problems are associated. And so, as a, so one of the big things the paleo diet really promotes is the removal of kind of um, your grainy kind of carbohydrates. Uh, why is that so important? Well, you know, John, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's in the last 10 years, there's been a, a huge, you know, internationally from New Zealand to the United States to Europe, there's been a move to lower carbohydrates in the diet. And uh, you see this with the Atkins type diet, the South Beach protein power and so forth. And I don't think that the people that wrote these diets really understood why uh, you know, reduction in carbohydrates has therapeutic effects. And what the paleo diet brings to it is the notion that uh, all humans did not eat uh, refined carbohydrates, did not eat grains, did not eat sugars, did not drink dairy products or eat uh, any foods that had high glycemic loads. We ate foods that were, you know, growing. We harvest them from... Uh, Mother Nature's bounty, we got fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and wild animal foods. And when we look at the nutritional characteristics of these types of foods, we place them into the 21st century with computerized dietary analyses, what we find is they're very nutritionally dense, they're high in vitamins and minerals, they're high in phytonutrients, and they're low in the elements that we know cause disease. We know that high glycemic load carbs, we find sugars, we find grains, salts, uh, vegetable oils, high in omega-6 fatty acids. All of these things tend to promote disease. And we, we, over the last 30 or 50 years, we know that from randomized controlled trials. So it's not surprising that um, we find our way back to the foods that are from Mother Nature that promote health. So, uh, you know, that, that's the basic tenet of this whole thing, and, and we can take it to the tightest levels of science. But I think intuitively most people understand that, uh, you know, eating real living foods is probably not bad for us. Yeah, and I think that's where probably from, a, from an athletic point of view where people are going to struggle with this, that, you know, if we, if we look at your, your average diet of your average American or average European, you know, it, we might be able to look at it and pretty easily see that it's, you know, they could definitely do with a good dose of extra vegetables and kick up the butt. fruits and just and just try to make things a bit more balanced. But for your, your, your not elite athlete, but for say your, your Ironman triathlete <clears throat> who probably follows a, a pretty good diet, you know, good amount of fruit, good amount of vegetables, but they've always been told they need to have a really good dose of carbohydrates and they maybe look for. <clears throat> you know, less processed um, 
you know, foods, you know, in terms of your breads, you're looking for nice whole grainy seedy breads and stuff. So what, what is that, uh, is that a bad thing? And that's what they're going to struggle with to get in their head is going, well, I've got to remove all these, these bread products. And I've been told for so long that this is my source of energy, um, in terms of getting my, my carbohydrates in. How do you, how do, for, for athletes, how, how do you sort of deal with that issue when they bring it up with you? John, I think that's a you know a very salient question that uh, you know, has come up time and again. And my colleague Joe Friel, who is the U.S. Uh, Olympic triathlete coach uh, at the Sydney Olympics, um, you know he and I have written a book called The Paleo Diet for Athletes, and you can get that at our website, thepaleodiet.com, or Amazon, or any of the major uh, uh, you know commercial outlets. And what we've actually done is we've addressed how to apply humanity's original diet to endurance athletes. And clearly, you know, hunter-gatherers were not out there to win a 10,000-meter race or a marathon or uh, whatever. They were out there on a day-to-day basis to bring home the food to survive. And that's the way our genome has evolved, and that's the way our genes have been selected for. And so... As a species, we're really good at doing a multiplicity of physical activities. We're good at doing high-intensity activity. We're pretty good at doing endurance stuff, and we're pretty good at resting. And that's what we found in our studies, hunter-gatherers throughout the world, is that uh, they tend to have activity patterns that are what we would refer to in the modern world as cross-training. And so they do... high-intensity weightlifting type stuff. They do endurance. They do slow. They do this. But they always get rest, too. They don't ever go day after day after day after day, which is what is characteristic of what it takes to produce an Olympic-caliber endurance athlete. And so um, what we are advocating is a diet that allows people to, uh, you know, do those types of training activities that will allow them to maximize performance. And Joe Friel, you know, being the U.S. Olympic triathlete coach with one of the better U.S. Olympic triathletes, and there are triathletes throughout the world, not just from the U.S., but from New Zealand and Australia and elsewhere that, that practice this. And there's four characteristics of the paleo diet that seem to work. And uh, the first is that uh, one of the things that you need to do is that after a tough workout, you need to rebuild your muscles. And if you eat a vegetarian diet or a high plant protein diet, you're not going to get what are called branched chain amino acids. And branched chain amino acids are found in the highest concentrations in animal foods. These are valine, leucine, and isoleucine. So we need to get a good dose of branched chain amino acids in the post-exercise period. So meaning that high animal food or meat diet will help us to get these three essential amino acids which rebuild our muscles. Uh, Secondly, um, we need to have a diet that's high in fruits and vegetables. Most endurance athletes tend to restore their carbohydrates and their muscle glycogen with grains and refined carbohydrates, sugars, white bread, and so forth. And the problem with this is that grains and sugars are net acid yielding and in that regard is that they tend to drain muscles of a critical amino acid called glutamine and so we know from scientific studies that 
if we can eat our carbohydrates that are net base yielding or net alkaline yielding like fruits and vegetables, it doesn't drain this glutamine store in our, our muscles. And so uh, that also tends to facilitate and promote muscle resynthesis in the post-exercise period. Uh, thirdly, the paleo diet is very high in trace nutrients, vitamins, and minerals. And we know that fruits and vegetables are much higher in vitamins and minerals than as white bread or sugar or processed foods or potatoes, which are what many endurance athletes eat in the post-exercise periods. And so what we find then is that this higher concentration of trace nutrients tends to promote immune function so that you can work and train at a higher level without getting upper respiratory illness. And finally, and I, I don't want to go on too long on uh, the this, this is good. <laughs> so, John, and, and finally, um, what we, we find is that uh, many endurance athletes who have been eating rice and potatoes and bread and pasta for decades uh, find that if they go on a paleo diet initially, they feel slightly weak, and at least for the week, first week or two, and they say that they can't train as hard. Well, this is exactly what we're trying to do, is that there are two metabolic pathways that athletes need to utilize during athletic activities. One is called the beta-oxidation pathway, which is the pathway in which we use fatty acids that we store, fats, in our body. And the other is the glucose or glycolytic pathway in which we use sugars. And so because most people in the Western world, including people and athletes from New Zealand and Australia and the United States, uh, eat carbohydrates every single day of their life, uh, they are entirely dependent upon the glycolytic or the glucose pathway. And when the stores of glucose and glycogen in the muscles drop, they get weak and they can't go on. What we have now known from recent studies in the last five years is that the best, best athletes in the world have access to not just the glycolytic and the glucose pathways, but also the beta-oxidation pathways. And so what many coaches worldwide are now trying to do is to train their athletes so that their diets and their training procedures utilize stored fats and not glucose. And the reason for this is, is that the more fats that you can use during a race or performance, the less access you have, you are required to use carbohydrate or glucose pathways. And if this is the case, then at the end of the race, you have more glucose and glycogen remaining. And glucose and glycogen allow you to perform at a higher level. And so those athletes that can run a race at a higher level using beta-oxidation pathways, using more fats, then have more glucose and carbohydrates at the end. And so that's really the key why the paleo diet seems to be very effective for endurance athletes. And I think that's very much what <clears throat> our discussions with Bob was about metabolic efficiency and making sure you do tap into the, that, those fat stores a bit more. So that's awesome. Um, with, with regards to racing um, <clears throat> for athletes, I mean, um, does Joe still promote sort of the use of sports nutrition and so on when you're actually in a, say, an Ironman triathlon where you're out there for between eight and 16 hours? Um, is he, because uh, I know he probably wrote that part of the book, is he still very much promoting the sports nutrition or saying you should be looking um, at eating as in the you know sort of the paleo diet foods when you're in a, in a race situation 
Well, I, I think the key here, John, is to be able to keep blood glucose and, and muscle glycogen levels at, at high concentrations. And what my colleague Joe Friel and I have shown in our book is that regardless of what you eat during a race, uh, you can tend to help to reduce the loss of muscle glycogen and, blood, and, and decreases in blood glucose, but you can't completely eliminate it. So no matter what you eat during a race, uh, those levels are going to decline, and that's why athletes in these ultra marathons and, and long-distance races, uh, their performance dec- decreases at the, towards the end of the race is because of this loss in the ability to utilize high-energy uh, glucose and glycogen. So our, our point is, is that the longer that you can rely upon fatty acids and the longer that you can uh, save glucose and glycogen stores, the better off you are. And so in that regard, um, we, Joe Friel and myself believe that uh, during the course of a race is that if you can um, intake uh, higher glycogen, um, <clears throat> higher glycemic load carbohydrates, then um, it will tend to benefit performance. Now, do we recommend that for normal people that have health problems? Absolutely not. I mean, athletic drinks with high glucose uh, loads are helpful during a race for well-trained athletes, but they certainly have deleterious health effects for normal people. Cool. Ah, perfect. And if people do go to... um Lauren and Joe's book, there is, is quite a long section there on um, racing, uh, pre-race, training, pre-race foods, post-race foods. So we've also got some questions from some of our... Oh, oh Bevan, you got a question? Yeah, I've got a question. Um, what about some of the areas that <clears throat> the paleo diet may be missing? Like if you look at the calcium content um, for paleo diet, like do you, do you do things like make sure your supplementation for that or, you know, like... If you're removing the dairy from your, you know, your dietary nutrition, how does paleo kind of counter that? Yeah, you know, I, I think John, that's a very common question that comes up time and again. And um, not only have I addressed this in all of my scientific books, but we've addressed this in uh, my scientific papers that I've presented before my colleagues in peer review. Uh, scientific manuscripts, and of course your readers can download those at my website, uh, thepaleodiet.com. And I think I think that's uh, intuitively something that people worry about, particularly women with osteoporosis, is that, my God, if we're going to cut out dairy products, how in the world are we going to get our calcium? Are our bones going to break? Are we going to end up with osteoporosis? Well, the, the, the first point that I would bring up to your listeners is that Humanity never drank dairy products until 10,000 years ago. And even though that seems to be historically remote, it's only roughly 330 human generations ago. So prior to 330 human generations, and humans have been on the planet for two and a half million years, how in the world did people build strong bones without dairy products for two and a half million years? Well, of course they did. Like any other mammal on the planet, uh, whether they be in New Zealand or in the United States or in Europe, all, or Africa, all large mammals on the planet build healthy bones without drinking the milk of another species. And so African elephants, rhinoceroses, you know, kangaroos from 
uh, Australia, they all build strong, healthy, fracture-resistant bones, and they do so through a variety of mechanisms that we are only beginning to understand in primates. And so we now realize that chimpanzees and great apes and even humans build strong, healthy, fracture-resistant bones through a variety of physiological mechanisms. And in my articles, we outline this. And the bottom line is, is that uh, what the dairy industry is trying to tell us is that the only way we can build strong bones is through increasing calcium intake. But what they fail to tell us is that uh, <clears throat> calcium metabolism is a lot like a bank account. It has more to do with how much goes in and how much goes out, which is what we call balance. It's like a checking account in your bank. And so uh, what's important is the difference between the calcium coming in and the calcium going out. And what we find is that the most important element that determines calcium loss and calcium going out of the equation is acid-base balance. And what we know then is that uh, <clears throat> foods that produce a net base or alkaline load in our kidneys, such as fruits and vegetables, tend to prevent calcium loss. And the other part of the calcium balance equation is that most of the calcium that we ingest in our diet is we, we pee it out in our urine. And so if we look at milk, 75% uh, of the calcium in milk we, we lose in our urine. However, if we increase the protein in our diet, that increases the calcium absorption. And so higher meat and protein diets, like what our hunter-gatherer ancestors ate, they increase calcium absorption. So we have two things working for us. We have increased calcium absorption, and we have reduced calcium loss from fruits and vegetables. So uh, high fruit and vegetable, high meat-based diet tends to bring us back into calcium balance, and that's how Mother Nature intended. That's how chimpanzees did it. That's how... Uh, you know, gorillas did it, and that's how humans did it before we domesticated cows. Mm, good. No, I like it. Um, so we've got some questions from some of our listeners. Some of the stuff we may have gone over, so we'll, we'll paraphrase it. But um, John Littlewood saying he's been following the paleo diet um, fairly, fairly well, but he's got a bit of an issue that he's struggling to cut out dairy and also um, struggling a bit with, with pre-race meals. Uh, we've said, you know, there's, there's quite a bit in the book about pre-race meals and, and what have you, but is the paleo diet one of those diets, you know, I don't know much about the Atkins diet, but it's basically saying, you know, cut out carbohydrates. Is Can can the paleo diet be sort of modified a bit, and, and is it, or is it completely pointless if you start having some, you know, dairy products and some breads and stuff, does that just completely stuff it up, or is, um, how religious do you have to be in terms of adopting it for it to be really effective? John, I think that's a really good point, and I, I, I think it depends on, uh, you know, on people's health conditions to start with and, and who and where they are, you know. And so built into my first book and my other four books, actually I'm on my fifth right now, you know, there are behavior issues in eating, and I, I think that all people need to understand that is that uh, we don't live in a you know, hunter-gatherer world. We, we live in the 21st century in which we have these temptations and these foods. And my feeling has always been is that the more compliant you are uh, with the diet, depending upon your health condition, the better off it's going to improve your, your health. 
and your well-being. Uh, and so what we have built into this diet is what we call the 85-15 rule, meaning that uh, there's roughly 21 meals per week, and if you eat 85% of those uh, meals, which is um, 19 meals per week, uh, or 18, and if you have three meals out, it's probably not going to hurt you. So if you want to go out and have a beer and pizza with your friends at a fast food place, uh, once a week, that probably won't hurt you. So, uh, and behaviorally, it may help you to adopt this. So, it's kind of like you don't have to jump into this thing cold turkey. You can take it at various levels. And so, uh, our feeling is, is that there are behavioral issues that involve eating with friends and celebration and and maybe just getting away from your favorite foods uh, that you need to do. So. That's kind of the strategy that we've taken. However, having said that, people that have serious health problems, autoimmune disease, multiple sclerosis, and rheumatoid arthritis, uh, we know that uh, the paleo diet tends to be or have very powerful therapeutic effects on people with these kinds of illnesses. Now, I know I realize that most of you know your listeners are, are athletic folks, but if they do have anything approaching or symptoms of autoimmune disease, then the more compliant they can be with this, the better off they'll be. And just, we've got another question from a guy called Ollie Jenner, and he's just asking, uh, what are kind of the best kind of snacks to eat with the diet? Um, excuse me, could you repeat that? Uh, he, he was wondering what are the best kind of snacks to eat with the diet? So between me, between meal times, main meal times. Um, the, the timing of the meal, is that, is that um, what the question was? More, Bevan's got a funny accent, you don't have to excuse him. Um, more just your small foods in between, um, in between meals that oh, you can just... Oh, uh, the snacks, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think you need to listen to your body. It's like, don't listen to Lauren Cordain, <laughs> and yeah. don't listen to Joe Friedel, and don't listen to Rob Wolf or anybody else that's promoting the paleo diet. Listen to your body. It's like, what we've done is we've kind of organized the correct... Uh, types of foods that humans have consumed based on our you know, 20 years studies of hunter-gatherers. They didn't eat dairy, they didn't eat grains, they didn't eat processed foods. So that's really the starting point. Uh, they, and they rarely ate legumes or beans or, or, or those kinds of foods that can be, you know, we can have high levels in, in our Western diet. So uh, our feeling has always been is to listen to your body and, uh, you know, as you remove or add foods in, uh, you know, be very sensitive to the symptoms that you may or may not have. For instance, um, one of the foods that uh, are problematic for people with uh, rheumatoid arthritis are tomatoes. And that, as crazy as that may sound, is that we've written a scientific paper showing that uh, tomatoes contain a substance called alpha-tomatine, and alpha-tomatine is a glycoalkaloid, which uh, immunologists and scientists studying the immune system realize uh, is a very powerful uh, substance called an, uh, an immunological adjuvant, meaning that if you add it to a vaccine, it makes the vaccine work. And so what we're finding is that uh, alpha-tomatine can actually uh, break through the gut barrier and get into the bloodstream and tend to promote pro-inflammatory responses in certain genetically uh, susceptible people. Now, most people can eat 
tomatoes without any problem at all, myself included. I love them. However, people that have an autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, they need to be very careful with these types of foods that are recent additions to the Western diet. Even though we think about we, a ton of tomatoes in New Zealand and Australia and the United States, is that until Columbus got to North America, no European ever ate tomatoes. And so uh, in a similar vein, potatoes also have glycoalkaloids, alpha-solanine, alpha-chaconine, that we know get into the bloodstream and tend to upregulate the uh, immunological response. So uh, in, in my books, I kind of outline that. In my, my fifth book, we talk about that. So most people can eat these types of foods without any problems. However, foods that are problematic for most people in New Zealand, Australia, and the United States are dairy products. And grains is that the majority of us don't do very well at all with dairy products and grains. So, um, 65% of the world's people don't digest lactose, which is a sugar in milk. And the most recent studies in the United States now show that almost 20% of the population uh, don't do very well at all with gluten uh, containing grains, which is wheat, rye, barley, and oats, or wheat, rye, barley without oats. So, that's that's huge. Knowing that uh, you know grains are problematic for twenty percent of the population or more. So I, I would suggest that in your athletic population, you're going to have a high percentage of people that don't do well on, on wheat and dairy. Mm. Um, we've had a number of questions in terms of um, the drinking of beer. So how <laughs> Davis uh, sent in a question saying, "Is there a beer that fits in with the paleo diet?" You know what? It's kind of like Rob Wolf. Uh, he, you know, on his, uh, you know, he he was a, a graduate student, just like Rob Sebahar or, or Sebahar was. You know, they all kind of kind of come back to the old man here. But uh, it's part of the eighty-five-fifteen rule. You know, you have to enjoy life, mm-hmm. and I've always felt that. I was a lifeguard for twenty years on a beach in California, and we had a wild time. I got a great suntan and worked out like crazy for years and years and years and we were doing all these things 20 years ago and we enjoyed our life and at the end of the day you have to enjoy your life and if it's involved drinking beer and you know you've got a gluten sensitivity then drink some wine <laughs> and you know suffer the consequences in the morning but uh, you know that's that's life that's humanity you gotta you know I, i've always felt that uh, you have to go for it in life. You know, you, you give a lot and you take a lot. But uh, your celebration is as important in life as taking care of your body. Mm-hmm. So, to tell us a bit about your books, you've, you've got the the Paleo Diet for Endurance Athletes, which is, I guess, you know, for for obviously for, for our main audience. Um, but we've, tell us about your other books. We've also had some questions in terms of recipes, um, typical day meal plans, and things like that. Well, you know, so. John, thanks a lot. You know, I, I wrote the first book way back. I wrote it in 2000, and it got published in 2002, so it's been almost a decade. And, you know, thanks to the Internet and the web and everything else, it's, it's become known worldwide. And the reason that it works is because it works. And, you know, if, I, if I'd written about a diet that didn't work, then athletes their performance went down or people's health 
blood cholesterol went up or their blood pressure went up, it would have fallen on the wayside, but it didn't. And that's the reason that it works is because we are in the largest uh, network that the world's ever seen. It's called the Internet. And so people can find out about these things. They talk about their neighbors, their friends, and in New Zealand, and I go to, I've been to Australia three times. I haven't yet been to New Zealand, but hopefully you'll invite me down. I'll come and give us a talk at Christ Church or wherever. But uh, I, I would love to come to your country. And I, I think that the reason that this is such a powerful message is because it works. And if what I said was nonsense, and if your athletic performance went downhill, and if your blood cholesterol went up and your blood pressure went up and you felt lousy and you couldn't even do this diet, then it would be it would have been done a decade ago. My books are selling better now than they were ten years ago, and this concept is absolutely taken off worldwide in Europe and uh, Australia, New Zealand, and the United States and South America and France. It's it's gone it's gone nuts everywhere, and the reason for it is because it works and. Intuitively, it makes a lot of sense. So how to pull it off? A lot of people aren't interested in the science, and that's fine. I, I don't blame them, but uh, I'm a scientist at a Division One research institution. I spent my life studying this stuff, and so I can tell you the science is sound, and I work with scientists from Australia and Europe and the United States, and this is not something that's going to go away. So... For those people that don't want to know the science, they can go to Amazon and download my Paleo Diet Cookbook, which basically tells you how to do it. So mm-hmm. I, I think that those folks that just are more interested in, in knowing how to pull it off, yeah, get the cookbook and don't worry about it. Yeah. Nice. Oh, well, thank you for your time today. It's been it's been really interesting. If people want to go check out any of your books or some of your blog posts, you can go to thepaleodiet.com. And uh, he's got lots of good information and where you can find out about everything that uh, Lauren's doing. Awesome. Yeah, thanks very much for your time, Lauren. Hey, John, thank you so much and uh, appreciate uh, you inviting me on your program. Brilliant. Great. Your thoughts, John? What I think we need to do now, the next stage is... Um, you couldn't do it, could you? You've, you've determined you couldn't do it. No. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just... Um, I. Not hardcore, at least. Not hardcore. I think I'll struggle to do 100% paleo. And, and as we heard, then maybe you go sort of the 80-20 sort of path. Yep. Um, so I can certainly see the, the merits of it, and I'm certainly adopting a lot of it, but I'm not going cold, cold turkey yet. Um, I've got cold turkey. Mm-hmm. I've been doing so it for a week. No, no, no dairy? I have had, on Saturday night, I had a big function, mm-hmm. and I ate normal food there. Yep. And uh, so no dairy. I've, I've been quite strict on it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Just veggies, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's hard to know with the feeling of the body. Like I'm, like the thing is, I'm fit and healthy, so it's not like I'm doing it to make create big change in my life. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to know. Uh, for me, it's, it's hard to know, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. I mean, I have to admit, there's a there's an esteem. It's interesting because I don't do diets. Mm-hmm. I've never done diets. Such I've always just kind of tried to eat healthy and mm-hmm. based on the information we've been given. And um, it, it does. There's something about an esteem that comes with discipline, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think any diet will probably give you this feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that some of the foods that I may have been tempted with before that can maybe have some bad energy afterwards. You know, the feeling bad about eating those foods. 
when you've got these set rules, it's really easy to resist those things, and so that's nice. Um, I am enjoying eating different foods because obviously I'm introducing new foods and different ways of cooking them. Um, so yeah, it's it, for me. I don't know yet, but it's yeah. It's what I think everybody will find is it's hard. It'll be hard work. You know, it's a lot more preparation. It's a lot um, more cooking. Yeah. You pretty much got to. Well, yeah, each meal takes a lot more time, mm-hmm. um, and it's more expensive because your meats yeah. are so expensive. So. Yeah, I think what we need to do now is maybe we've got the scientific side of it. We want to, um, and they're always going to say, this is wonderful, this is what you've got to be doing. But maybe if we can get some athletes that have uh, really been following this for a long time. So someone like Gordo has been following it for, for a long, long time. Um, has he? Yeah, uh, but he may have adapted a little bit. So I think, um, I know people have said Jonas Colton was also um, quite a strong advocate of it online. So maybe getting those guys feedback in terms of um, how they have maybe adapted a little bit and how it's worked for them and, and what hasn't worked for them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, because it is, at the end of the day, you're trying to figure out the best thing that works for you, aren't you? And, and you know, like John was saying in the interview, how, you know, general population, we've got major dietary issues in society. And so, you know, if you can give them some guidelines that are going to make them eat healthy foods all the time that's got to be beneficial and but whereas we are a unique bunch of people we are kind of healthy and fit in the way we behave <clears throat> so it's more about us trying to well how can we improve our performance through our nutrition so it's definitely interesting i haven't read his book i read rob wolf's book right um and I, you've got the books haven't you yep yeah so I'll, I'll read those once you've finished with them but um i, I like rob wolf's book but his he was a bit kind of too defensive for my liking. Right. You know, he's a little bit, you know, kind of, you know, everything's a conspiracy against you kind of guy, which mm. I kind of struggled with a little bit. But, you know, give it a try, see what you think, read some, make sure you do your homework and see what you go with. I think we're going to have to edit some stuff out again this week. Sponsor? Yes. We won't do, we won't do Webs of the Week. We've done all sponsors. We've insert now we've got an interview with um, Sandy from Extreme Endurance. Oh, here so we listen up. This week's show, we've got Sandy from um, Extreme Endurance. We've had lots of feedback from listeners um, who've been trying the product and, and loving it and feeling feeling better about things. Um, we've got a question here from John, the mountain snail Hancock. Um, I'd be interested to know, and the reason Sandy, the reason he's called the mountain snail is because he um, he's extremely slow at riding downhill on his bike. Um, <laughs> but he's he, he's been using Extreme Endurance for a while and, and finding it really good, and he was one of the athletes that used it over um, the New Zealand summer and found it um, helped a lot with his performance at Ironman New Zealand. Um, but he wanted to know why it makes sense to take Extreme Endurance year-round, i.e. what is the science behind it. Um, so, yeah, he found it useful in his build-up, but should you know wh- why should he be taking it during, say, his, his off-season when his training might be a little bit lower? Um, so, so fill us in on that. Yeah, for sure. You know, the reason uh, triathletes train five or six days a week is so they can continually improve their swim and their bike and their run. And by taking extreme endurance year-round when you're training, it allows you to do more and recover faster after each one of those workouts. I think a classic example would be Heidi Jesberger. Uh, you know, when she started taking the product after 10 days, her, uh, <clears throat> her VO2 max uh, went up to, I think, what, 50, went from 56 milliliters per kilogram up to 63 and ever since Heidi's been on it year round as most of our triathletes have and she continually was able to increase her training about you know 15 percent so over a course of a year her training became better and better and better a matter of fact her uh her, her max oxygen consumption was 
I think started out at 57, as I mentioned, after 10 days went to 63.5 in the test. And she's now up in the neighborhood of 69.5, close to 70, um, you know, uh, consumption milliliters per kilogram. So she continually gets better as all of the athletes do. And and that's why we suggest if you're going to train year round and are serious about it, that you take it every day, just like a vitamin. And what about how it affects the sort of the acid and alkalinity? Um, you talked about that before. Yeah, that's that's another great question. Unless you're a vegetarian, you you most likely have an acidic, uh, uh, you know, in your blood, in your body. You're you're more acid than than not. And so we build this exact same product, and it's sold in Germany to the medical profession. It's called Baso Balance, and Baso means acid balance. And what, what they do is the doctors who want to keep people's body acid lower, they just uh, give it to them and they take it three tablets a day, every day, all year long. And the reason for that is that there's so much science now about body acid and your, uh, your chronic diseases such as arthritis and cancer and heart disease flourish in an acid environment. So. When you're an athlete, you create more acid than a normal person, just with not because of your diet, but because you're constantly training. And so your body acidity is, is really high. So from a, a, a prudent, uh, well-thought-out, uh, take-care-of-your-health plan, you want to keep your body acid you know, as low as you can. And uh, by taking extreme endurance is going to allow you to facilitate that. Cool. And is there any other things happening in stream endurance at the moment? I know last time we spoke we, um, we talked about your, the running races you're sort of being involved in, um, but any other developments or any other things you want to, to, to point out? Yeah, we've actually, uh, you know, John, since we last spoke, we, we talked about what we call our Extreme Vital 40 product. You know, it's kind of the nutrition store in the bottle. And we've just had so much response from athletes who have been taking it that we're actually changing the name of that product. And the name uh, will be coming out. You'll see it in our new label soon. It'll be called Extreme Immune Boost because we're just finding that athletes who train hard, their immune system is always at risk. And so you want to make sure that you've got all the vitamins and minerals and trace elements you need at the you know proper dosages so that you can keep your body uh, immune system strong. But in addition to that, uh, you know, our, our extreme immune boost, you know, extreme vital 40 is got tons of antioxidants in it. So it really helps offset the free radical damage that, uh, you know, athletes, uh, endure because of their training, just because they're exercising a lot, they create tons and tons and tons. I mean, literally billions of free radical hits a day. So this immune boost is going to help offset that. And, and keep their immune system stronger. And I can tell you that Timo and Heidi and Yvonne and, and Helene and, and all of our athletes who've been taking it just say, hey, I just don't get sick anymore. And I recover faster. And they just, uh, during the wintertime, they're just much healthier. So uh, that's uh, something you're going to see as a name change there. The new travel pack uh, will be out. It should be uh, at our warehouses now this week. And so people can get the new resealable Ziploc uh, 48 tablet travel pack. A lot of people like like to have that. So when they go on competition and travel, they're not taking a bottle with them, but they actually have a travel pack which they can replenish from their bottle. So yeah, those are things we're we're coming out with, and uh, we hope to have our new drink out pretty soon. 
Cool. So if anybody wants to get hold of their Extreme Endurance um, or any of the products Sandy talked about, go to xendurance.com and remember to use the code IAMTALK and it's all good. So thanks very much for your time, Sandy. Okay, thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Questions and answers. Okay, what have we got here? We've got James Botel, you got cut from the show today. Sorry, buddy. We had, oh. a, we had a website of the week. I'll, I'll roll it over to next they'll, week. They'll make it in there? Yeah. They're good ones? Yeah, okay. What do you give himself out of 10? Yeah. Didn't give himself a score. Oh, that's probably why we cut you, mate. If yeah. you had a 9 out of 10, we would have gone in with it. Okay. Uh, Moose Herring just sent us in an email. We talked about Conrad Stoltz a few times. and um, He's loving it. He's, he's Yeah, but he's, he's more saying, you know, I didn't have him in my top 10 of all time athletes, whereas I think Triathlete Magazine did because he's dominated exterior. But he was saying that the guy is actually a wonderful guy. He, won um, one of the exterior champs this weekend. He's got a great quote. Winners look um, winners look great, and when you win a race, it feels easy. Winning means you're in control within your limits. Losing is hard. It means you gave 110%, played all your cards, and lost. Um, and, and lost. I gave it my all. And he says he's just a very nice guy, and he's been to some races in their area, and he's just good sportsman. So we want to say, Conrad Stoltz, you're awesome. But bit of the fact, the Steve Gurney factor we have in New Zealand, he won everything because, um, but because it was not, say, the depth of people challenging him. Sometimes we we, we question whether he would have been, you know, should be in the that echelon of the greatest athletes. I'm pretty distracted today, aren't I? You are. You're bloody reading emails. Again. <laughs> no, but this, this is about the show. Right. So I was just doing that. Okay, next one was from Matt, and he's just, oh, this was Ironman US dollars for Ironman 70.3 Sri Lanka is $15,000. And then for the 5150 series, again, $25,000. And that's on the same, I believe it's on the same day. So it's interesting, I think his point there was interesting that it's the same race on the same day, they're paying more for the Olympic distance race than they are for the 70.3. Interesting point. Why is that? Well, that's the question. Because they don't, don't care about us, John. Well, it's we the are same the poor organi- cousin. It's the same organisation. If it's the same day, you'd assume it's the same race organisers. Um, yeah. So they give some love to us. Yeah. But I guess they're possibly, a poor cousin. They're possibly thinking um, they might attract more people to the half Ironman race. I mean, the, the Olympic distance race. So Someone sent through an interesting tech- article on Barefoot Running. Have you read it? I um, Scott, that was on Triathlete. Um, well, what's, what's the grind? Give me the grind. It's really saying that... Um, Health professionals in the states are seeing a massive increase in injuries, uh, oh, foot injuries, because people are trying it. So heel injuries and, and injuries they haven't seen. Haven't seen because we had to pause there. But yeah, yeah. and it's so that's the thing. It's we, we've talked. To, we we often maybe cover the fad things that are coming in, like barefoot running, yeah. like the different well, sorts you have of to, diets. You've you got to, but um, you've always got to do these things with a bit of caution. And we've said that all the way along. Is uh, if you want to do barefoot running, you've got to go into it very very slowly. And really, they're saying for some people. Barefoot running is just not appropriate if you, you know, if you really, say, pronate um, really, really heavily. They've got a number of different scenarios in there. Then it's just. It's just is it because we're suckers? Is it because at the end they were always trying to look for that advantage? Mm. So you know, anything that comes out, you know, you kind of go, well, that, that works for somebody else. I must have to try. People are always looking for the magic, magic formula. Mm. And um, so you know, I know people listen to. The Marilyn McDonald interview um, when we did about swimming with straight arm they think right now I've got to go swim straight arm yeah. and, and sure it's it's really good for, for some people the barefoot running is good for some people but you've just got to tweak it to your own and, and it's not one of those the problem with <clears throat> things like barefoot running like I don't know much about science behind it I'm sure there may be some value but the thing is it's it's it's, it's the people read a book and then suddenly like I got one of the guys in my running groups and he read I gave him the um the which one Born the, to Run Born to Run Loved it, listened to it twice. I gave it to him as an audiobook. 
suddenly he's out there barefoot running. I'm like, mate, back it up. You know, you, <laughs> you know, you, you know, it's something you got to ease yourself into, and it's you know, because it's high risk of injury if you go from wearing shoes all the time to suddenly running barefoot all the time. It's extremely confusing because you know, with the diet today, we've had Lauren on there talking about the paleo diet. He's a science guy. He he, he yep. does this for a job. He's does the research then we can go and find a gazillion articles online that are done by other scientists saying carbohydrate you need to be taking this this and this yeah. and so it's, did it's you hear from Asuka no oh Asuka <laughs> I've asked you Asuka Asuka you know? don't, don't give him a hard time because he won't come on no. okay we'll just, we'll just another quick email uh, good old Kat Morrison was listening to the show last week yep. and she loved how you said she was wearing weird ass gears yep. and I emailed her back and said maybe we should give her the nickname Kat Weird Ass Morrison mm. and then I thought probably not yes no but she also she did like Joyce and nickname Sure, you yeah. put an anchor on anybody. In well, how about we call it the Cadenator? The Cadenator. No, it doesn't work no. so well, does it? No. The Morrisonator? No. No. What, what's the nickname we're going to think of a cat? The Scottonator. What is it? something to do with a cat that's a little bit angry? Mm. Tiger? Cat Tiger? No. Yeah. I'm sure she hasn't had that one before. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty original. Work on it. Work on it. We, we'll, we'll figure one out for you, cat. Okay, it's and then if you, when you win Conan this year, you have to say, <laughs> the Tiger's won. <laughs> okay, oh, uh, the Tiger. What, what's the what's a group that's that, that's saying I the Tiger? That's a really good question, John. I don't know because uh, I, don't, I, I think they're do. one hit wonder. Journey. Where is he going? I of the Tiger. Um, and that's about all we've got this week. We, you know, we've, we've uh, Survivor. 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 Cat Survivor Morrison. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Um, what are we talking about? We're talking about just quick sponsors. Athlinks.com. Um, get groups on there. Try by, uh, not trybys.com. Oh, that's old school, John. <laughs> Co- Coffeesofwai.com. Where did that come from? No. Coffeesofwai. Make sure you, you put your, your photo on the internet and you get a free jersey. And extreme endurance. And Sandy, just listen to Sandy. Okay, John, what have you been up to? Um, I just want to, I've got a question for you. You put a picture of somebody on an IM Talk bike jersey on the website last week. Was uh, Who was that? Was that the Holy Hammer? Well, let me look, go to the website. I think it might be Ben the Running Man. Oh, yeah, that was a holy hammer. A holy hammer. Yeah. He doesn't only listen to the show anymore, so he won't even... Really? Well, he's, he's in a different place at the moment. I know, but surely he still, like, surely he still listens to the show, Surely John. you would expect him to. I'm sure a lot of people who aren't doing Iron Man anymore still listen to this show. So tell me this. I'm just, I've got a picture here on the website. Is that running up um, Major 8 Kitten Drive? No, it's not. Let me have another guess. Okay, you've got three guesses. No, actually, now. Major Aiken, where's Major uh, That's oh. one just down the road there. No. No, you have to tell me. Um, yeah, no, I'm not going to get it. It's, it's Kashmir Road. So you go past Princess Margaret Hospital by the river and before the shops. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that now. Yeah. Okay. It's an Very obvious good. one. Yes. We've got a comment here, John. We don't, I don't never check the comments on oh, the website. No. The one couple of times I've checked... Um, oh, good old ben, Lauren... Salas? Salas? Has uh, created some photos from Iron Man Texas, so you want to check that and go there. Nice. So, since it's, on, it's on our um, imtalk.me, and we've got a little, little comment section down there. So, what have you been up to, Jonbo? I did a bike race at the weekend. Oh, back it up! That's right, you had the big Cooper's Knob so, challenge. So, I, uh, when I did my entry, I said, yeah, bottom, I'm, I'm low end of B grade, because uh, yep. you just rang out the slide. Why didn't you go C grade? And well, one C grade? Then I, then I, um, I said, you did go C grade. No, then I turned up at the race, and they put me into C grade, and I said, because no, no, they give you like ten bucks for a win. Yeah. <laughs> I said no. I'd like to race B grade, please. You couldn't. You couldn't swallow that pill, no. could you? And uh, did you get your pants pulled down? No. Oh. Well, so what happened? So B B grade is what we I would normally ride, and normally I'm probably in the 
top half of B you'd, grade. You'd be able to row A grade. Oh, when no, you're fit I'm, I'm not I'm not explosive enough I, like you, you're, you because you've done the RPM you can handle that stuff I can't handle that uh, high that high, real yep, high intensity stuff, stuff. Um, so there was something we had about 20 in our grade and it was basically about probably I don't know 25k on the flat and then sort of climbing so it was about where did it finish you get to the top of Cooper's oh, no, all the way along basically so you go right to summit to the Kiwi just before you drop down the Kiwi oh okay so you basically have it and then you have a that'd be a hard ride you know because it's a real high climb about a 5k probably about 5-6k climb I'd imagine and then you just roll along the top of the, the hills and it was, I thought the pace was just, I thought people were just going to piss around on the flat because yeah. I think it's all going to happen on the hill anyway yeah. but it was it was a pretty solid pace. We were basically probably sitting on close to 50k an hour oh, all the wow. way out on the flat. No, no, no tailwind or anything. And you're just sitting there and you're seeing some of these um, not very experienced bike races just like attacking off the front and you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. There's no way you're going to get away when we're riding at this at a pretty solid pace and you're only yeah. going a couple of k an hour quicker. So that was quite entertaining and I was smart with my racing. Just I sitting thought, in the back. Sitting in the pack, if a gap opens up, you know, if somebody doesn't come through for their turn, I'm not going to be the one that brings the whole, gets the whole chain gang. Oh, lazy bum, John, we call him. No, I'm doing my bit. And um, wait, so you do any time at the front? Yeah, but but you know, you know, if somebody somebody doesn't come through, and then the whole chain gang stops, and somebody's got to take the. You never gave the initiative. I used to be that person. No, um, because I'm I'm out there (laughs) trying to get a good workout, but I just knew I didn't want to be blasted before we got to the hill. Spot hit the bottom of the hill. Now, now the thing is, when you hit the bottom of this hill, the first bit's pretty tough. Yeah. Because when you got gibbies, that's pretty tough. Yep. And, and pretty aggressive. And and then um, so I hit that bottom. I was at the bottom of the. I was at the very back of the group because I got boxed in a bit, and then I just let myself drift back because I didn't want to get boxed in. Nice. And uh, dead last at the start, there was one. It was one girl. We had a, girl, a couple of girls in our group. The one girl. Do you get checked? No, no way. Uh, no she, she, way. She was off the back, and like boom, cha. I was dead last going up the hill. Okay. I, I was like. These guys, I'm sure they're going to blow up. Oh, wait, so you, they've taken off and you're just going, I'm just going to do my I'm thing? I'm just going to do my thing because this is a long climb and if you lactate up... Game over. You're, yes, you're in serious trouble. You're going to be falling, blowing apart. And so they're just gone. Everybody was gone. There was so how, what? So you're just sitting there by yourself going... I'm just... just so at this stage, are you going, trust my plan or are you going, I'm losing it? I'm going, trust my plan. I'm going, I'm hoping those guys are going to blow up. And, yeah. uh, and then just slowly work my way through the field and um, by the top of the climb, I was in ninth place out of about yes. 20. And well, that's hardly amazing. Yeah, it was it was better than what I was expecting. <laughs> okay. And then uh, thankfully, then got along the rollers on the top, and I was I had one guy sitting on my wheel, and I was, I was giving it to myself a bit. I was going, oh man, this is getting a bit tough. And then one guy caught us up, and he just buried it to the finish. So we came home pretty strong. Oh, no. So where'd you get? So I was ninth out of about uh, twenty. So Five hundred. Sorry. Oh, oh, 20. No, and and our grades. I was I was pretty pleased with that. I was pretty pleased the way they rode. Sort of ride. Sort of ride. Wise Solid ride. Wise ride. Yeah. And uh, what else happened in your life? Um, other than that, House of Travel Triathlon Festival date is set for December oh, the 11th. December the 11th. Mark it in your diary. You're lucky you didn't do the week beforehand. Why? Well, I'm doing my race team to Melbourne. Oh, okay. Mm. So mm. I wouldn't have been able to be your commentator. Festival of Cycling that weekend as well. Is it? Mm. It's a big weekend then, isn't it? Mm. Um, uh, not much else happening in my life, Bevan. You know what I did last weekend, John? Oh, what did you do? Uh, there's not many times in life where I'm not happy. Like I'm, I, I luckily in life, because you often read. You know, I had a friend of mine, a friend of mine who was quite rude to me. He goes, "You must have problems because you can't be that happy." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we were doing this kind of deep and meaningful thing with for work, and and he assumes that I must have problems because you know you, it's like a facade I put on. But anyway, I am actually genuinely pretty happy, and I'm pretty a chirpy character. You know, I like to, you know. 
That's right. Hey, hey. <laughs> but see, for when I'm at the mall, John, right. I loathe the mall. Right. And when you, if you ever see me at the mall, I just look depressed. Mm. And so last Sunday, my daughter turned 14 last week, mm-hmm. well, about a week and a half ago now, and I hadn't got around to getting the presents because I was away, mm-hmm. but we'd always planned beforehand that we'd go shopping together at the mall mm-hmm. with my daughter. Yep. So I went to the mall, and you know what I did, John? Shopping. Hated every second of it. <laughs> You're not alone. I hate shopping. Oh, it was painful. Mm. I, I, I tried for my daughter, but she brought a friend, so she didn't even want me there. It was more yeah. like the wallet token yeah. and everything. And, yeah, but then what happened was, John, the boy came up to my daughter. Mm-hmm. So I was walking a couple of steps in front of them because I was kind of a Never Never Land. Mm. Turn around, and there's this boy with his hat to the side. Yeah. Hero, I couldn't even see his face. The hero's yeah. looking kind of yeah. skater boy kind yeah. of look. Yeah. Yeah. Had his phone out, gave my daughter his phone number. Yeah. So I just kind of sneakily walked up beside her, but he didn't even acknowledge me. John, should I be worried? No. No? This is the teenage era. They're just getting into... Boys? Boys and girls. Yeah. When do you talk about the birds and bees? I think you're probably better. I've been doing it for years, actually. Yeah, <laughs> My, family. <laughs> My family, we get pregnant real young, so we basically tell our kids from the age... When the first word yeah. is, don't get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, it's not mum, dad. They don't listen. Yeah. They don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I, 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 I empathise with you, and I, I, I find shopping painful. I don't mind it. I have a once a year strategy. Mm. Go go to some outlet more overseas, get it cheap, mm. go crazy, mm-hmm. maybe twice a year, maybe with that. There's mm. a purpose. Don't see the point of walking so aimlessly. Do you go shopping? What, what do you do? If you go into a woman's clothing shop with Joe, um, iPhone, John. iPhone. iPhone, right. save. I play a game. Right. Yeah, and you look at the other men in the, ro- in the room, he's giving the eyes up. I know your pain, mate. Yeah. I know your pain. Tell you, I don't know how guys did it before the iPhone was around. Yes, I think I need something. What do you do? Just, just sit on a seat and go, right. <laughs> Seriously, how much longer can we sit in this damn shop? <laughs> so one time it's good to have the kids in the shop. I'm not very good at spending money, John, I've decided. Because okay. each week I give myself some money. Yeah, but no, because each week I give myself some money to spend, you know, and I normally, I don't know, maybe $150 a week just to spend. And I never spend about 10 to 20 because I don't drink, I don't mm. smoke, I don't hardly ever go for dinner and stuff. So... And it's just kind of accumulating up. And I'm thinking, well, I've got... I've got an idea for you. What? Put it into an envelope <laughs> and just pop up to 10A Parkland's Drive and just pop each your little surplus each week, pop it in the, the, the charity box there at 10A. Well, because I'm thinking I've got enough to buy an iPad right now so I could justify buying an iPad because, I, you know, it's money just that I can flutter. But I just... Uh, I don't really need an iPad. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. You Maybe that could be next week's discussion. What should Bevan spend with his money? Okay. Okay, anyway... That's a big long show. Um, just thinking if we've got anybody on next week. Um, no. no. No, we haven't. Maybe we should get Gordo on for our next endurance corner yep. discussion about this diet stuff. Yes. From an athlete who's done it for a year's experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm Russ. I mean, don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Lovely. <laughs>